Our God is a merciful God. Pastor Ed Ray explains. Mercy is one of the defining, we would say, characteristics of God. Exodus 34, 6, Moses writes, The Lord, the Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So the rabbis say that God is merciful is listed first because that's the defining characteristic about God. It is the thing that all other things come from in God, that He is merciful. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand, singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. When you come to discover that God is merciful, it's encouraging and even surprising. But the cynics among us are quick to ask, how merciful? What does that mean for me or for this world? How should we respond to this mercy? Well, we'll get some answers today on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Those answers are found in Titus chapter 3. Mercy as well as grace are the dominant theme. We're in Titus chapter 3, verse 4. Paul the Apostle writes, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to humanity, to men. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning being self-condemned. When I send Artemis to you, or Tychius, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Send Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey with haste, that they may lack nothing, and let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Let's stop there and pray. Thank you, Lord, that you have given to us grace and mercy. Help us to grasp that more clearly now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Mercy. All I see is mercy and grace. When I read through this, that's what occurred to me, at least where I am in my walk with the Lord right now. It's all about mercy and grace. So I read about Mercy Hospital in Florida. Miami has one. It's a Catholic hospital called Mercy, and it's operated by nuns, the Sisters of Mercy. And, and a guy was recently brought there. He needed an emergency bypass surgery, and the operation went well, but when he woke up, he was groggy, of course, 
from the anesthesia, and sitting next to him was one of the nuns, one of the Sisters of Mercy. And she said, well, Mr. Smith, you're going to be just fine. And she was patting his hand, and he said, she said, but there is one issue. Since you came in in an ambulance, we don't know anything about you. How do you intend to pay for our services? Do you have insurance? And he said, no, I don't. And she said, well, do you have the cash to pay for the operation? And he said, no, I don't, sister. And she said, well, do you have any close relatives? He says, well, I only have my sister, but she's in New Mexico, and she's a spinster nun. Sister of Mercy said, oh, oh, Mr. Smith, sisters in the Lord, they're married to God. They're not spinsters. He thought a minute. He said, well, oh, good. Well, then could you ask my brother-in-law to pay for my surgery? (laughs) We started with Psalm 107. Verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. This subject is, of course, what Paul is talking about, mercy and grace in this letter to Titus. Our English word mercy comes from a Latin word, mercy. It sounds very much like French. The Latin word meant price paid, wages. Interesting. In English, Mercy, of course, is a broad term that's used more than just religiously, benevolence, forgiveness, uh, kindness for ethical things, for legal things. The dictionary definition of mercy is compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or to one's subject to one's power, a blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. The concept of merciful God appears in many religions, but most prominently in Christianity and, of course, Judaism because of the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for mercy, rakahim, is always in the plural, meaning every time you read mercy when it's talking about God, it is mercies, all the mercies of God. The Hebrew dictionary says, mercy includes, rakadim, includes showing kindness to those who don't deserve it and forgiving those that deserve punishment. Mercy is one of the defining, we would say, characteristics of God. Exodus 34, 6, Moses writes, the Lord, the Lord is God, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So, the rabbis say that God is merciful is listed first because that's the defining characteristic about God. It is the thing that all other things come from in God, that He is merciful. Now, the most famous rabbi probably, Maimonides in the 1100s, he wrote about this concept of God being merciful. He said, these attributes should not be regarded as qualities inherent in God, but as the method of His activities, the way that God appears. In other words, God is not controlled by His attributes, but He chooses mercy as the filter to push everything else through that comes to you, that comes to me, that comes to humanity. In other words, God is merciful. He is full of mercies. Multiple mercies, being plural, found in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. 
Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. His mercies are new every morning, plural again. The New Testament carries that idea also. Peter wrote, 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in times past you were not a people, but now the people of God, which had not obtained mercies, but now we have received mercies from God. So, mercies are the subject here, not just one, but it's almost like manifold. The various ways that things come to us come through God's ways, which are always merciful. Augustine called mercy ever ancient, ever new. What he meant was God's mercies have always been his defining characteristic all the way back before the foundations of the earth, but are ever new because they're available right now here to you and me. God's mercies are brand new every morning, we just read in Lamentations. Abraham Lincoln, our president, is very familiar with the word mercies. You can tell by the way he wrote this. I have always found that mercy bears richer fruits than strict justice. He saw that justice was a sword, black and white, one way or the other. But mercy, when applied correctly, brings healing. Of course, our nation was healed. Shakespeare, I don't normally quote Shakespeare, but uh, in The Merchant of Venice, he obviously had given a lot of thought to God's mercies. He said, the quality of mercy is not strain. You can't stress it. You can't overuse it. You never run out. The quality of mercy is not strain. It drops as the gentle rain from heaven. He knows where it comes from. Upon the place beneath, it is twice blessed. It is blessed because it blesses him that gives and him that takes. He's saying, remember the word blessed means, oh, how happy. So he's saying God is happy when he gives it, but he's doubly happy when we receive his mercy. Receive it? Yes, it's a gift, and it has to be recognized and received. You're listening to Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray extolling the virtues of God's mercies that are to be received. We continue with this great theme of mercy and how we're blessed by it, and God is too. To explain, once again, here's Pastor Ed. Most of us remember the time when we were not believers and we didn't want anything from God. We didn't even want to acknowledge Him. But when we acknowledge we need mercy in humility, then he gladly gives it, and we are blessed by it. It makes us happy. It makes him happy. Everybody's a winner, all right? Mercy is the theme of Jesus in his fifth, as we call them, Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, how blessed, you remember. Oh, how happy. Five, seven, blessed are the merciful. Oh, how happy are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. That 
when we have personally experienced God's mercy, when we have received it ourselves, then we better understand it and the need to give it away to other people. Matthew 7, 2, for the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Be merciful towards others, and you will receive mercy. So I'm all about giving away mercy. I give you mercy, I give you grace, because I need mercy and grace myself, and I want God to judge me by those standards, his mercy and his grace. So that's kind of where we're going in Paul's letter to Titus. Now, we know that Titus was on the island of Crete, and Paul had been there with him, and were helping the churches that were already there as well as planning new ones. Now, because we were there with a group from the church just a few weeks ago, following the footsteps of Paul, I wanted you to be reminded what a beautiful spot that it is. It is surrounded by purple sometimes, almost turquoise blue water. It's just spectacular landscapes. Geographically, it's a beautiful spot. The people today are beautiful. Now, this is the second city that Paul mentions, Nicopolis, and it's on the western side of Greece. This is the water system for a beautiful spot. So often we talk about Paul's missionary journeys and how difficult they were, but I also wanted you to see that there are worse places in the world to serve than uh, in the Aegean Sea. It's just beautiful. So Paul talks about two other workers that were coming to Crete, Zenos and Apollos. They probably carried this letter, they're in verse 13, to Titus. The letter, of course, written to him, but Paul knew it would be read in all the churches and probably didn't realize it would be read in churches down to this day as we have this morning. Now, verse 4 through 7 is another ancient hymn. This is something that was sung in the early church. We don't know the melody line. I can't tell you what it sounded like, but the words are beautiful. So this closing of Paul's letter to Titus breaks up into three parts. A hymn of salvation, 4 through 8, then things to avoid, 9 through 11, and then finally Paul closes with his favorite word, grace, 12 through 15. So there's a lot more here than we could cover in one sitting, but we'll move through it and try and hit the really important things well. Verse 4, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior towards man, appeared. Kindness, important word. The Greek word Christostas means goodness or gentleness of God. It's the outworking of God's grace. Remember, grace is this gift that nobody deserves, nobody merits it, but that God gives it freely to all who would receive it. So God is thinking grace all the time and mercy. God's goodness is actually God's grace filled attitude towards you and I. Paul said so in his letter to the Ephesians 2, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he, God, that in the ages to come, God might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. The same word, Christostas, his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. 
The love of God, the love of God towards man, literally it's phila, as in Philadelphia, love, and then atopos or anthropos or anthology, it's mankind. So the love of mankind. Now that's a very comforting concept that God loves humanity. God loves you. And you say, well, of course he made us. But we haven't done so good with that free will thing. He still loves us in spite of that, our bad choices. So when the love of God appeared, and the word is epiphany, this display of light, literally, the epiphany was Jesus Christ, God the Son, coming to earth. We misunderstood who God was. The Jews misunderstood who he was. They saw Mount Sinai, and it was smoking, and there was an earthquake, and there was a rumble of thunder. And they said, Moses, you go up. We're too afraid. God meant to show a, a display of power so they'd understand that he was powerful enough to get them to the promised land. But they misunderstood, and they backed away. And so Jesus came, epiphany. He appeared so that we would understand who God is. And he came so humbly that most missed him, that he began to walk about the countryside and do things that nobody would do. They would run from sick people. Jesus would run towards them. Incurable leprosy that nobody could touch, he'd go and touch that person, and goodness left him and healed that person. People who were injured, people who were lame, people who couldn't hear, people who couldn't see, he would touch in unusual ways, and they would be healed right in front of everybody. Sometimes he wouldn't even touch them, just from across the way. Other times he'd go up and touch like the, the funeral buyer of the widow of Nain, and their son sat up. He said to Lazarus, come forth, showing the world that he was God over death. So God appeared so that you and I would understand he is goodness, he is kindness, he is love, he is mercy. Verse 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, thank you, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a, a sweeping statement that sounds very much like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that is, by grace you have been saved through faith that is not of yourself. So there's only one work that can save. That's what he's saying here. And it is the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said so when asked in John 6, 28, some people came to him and they were sincere, and they said, what shall we do? that we may work the works of God. And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent, that you put your trust in, put your faith in, rely on him who he sent. Who did he send? Jesus. So when I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me, and I put my trust in that, not in the good things I can do, then I receive salvation. The only work that will bring redemption is the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, what he did for you and for me. Believing Jesus Christ 
that he died for you will trigger God releasing forgiveness, pardon, and eternal life. Now, for most of you, these are words that you're familiar with. But I fear that familiarity sometimes masks the ever-deepening understanding of what these words really mean. So hang in there. Go with me. According to his mercy, Elios, the self-motivated, spontaneous, loving kindness of God, which causes him to deal in compassion and tender affection with the miserable and distressed, someone said. I like that. Miserable and distressed, I can relate to that. I need mercy. I never say, God, give me justice. (laughs) No, 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 no. Justice is getting what we deserve. What we need is mercy, mercy, mercy. That's why all the rock and roll songs has the word mercy in it. Mercy me. You know, that whole thing is because we all recognize that judgment is not what we need. What I need is God to be merciful towards me and to you. God has been good. God has been kind to me personally. I'm speaking to those of you that have not yet experienced this. How can you be so happy about this thing? Well, it's because God is that way. Listen to Micah 7.18. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. There's a thought. Because he delights in mercy, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea, pardoning iniquity, delighting in mercy. God is unique in that he pardons the rebellious the rebellious sins of me and of you. Now, pardoning severe sin is contrary to human thinking. It is not logical to us, but it is if you take apart what this is saying. God is not human, and he delights to extend mercy to those who will humble themselves before him. There's no room at the cross for the arrogant. There's no room for those who are self-sufficient and think they're able to handle life under their own power. That they, and I'm speaking of myself, B.C., thinking that they have figured out everything in life and they don't really need a crutch. But the truth is, not only did I need a crutch, I needed two of them. I needed a wheelchair. I needed a gurney. I needed an ambulance. I needed all kinds of help that I was too self-sufficient to recognize. Am I speaking to somebody here? Sorry. Getting a little too close here, Pastor. Back off. Thomas Hooker, the American colonial pastor, when he was dying, other people surrounded his bed, and one of them said, you are going to receive the reward of your labors. And Hooker pulled himself up from his pillow, and he said, no. Thankfully, I'm going to receive mercy. An important distinction Pastor Ed Ray makes on today's Grow in Grace between what is deserved and what will be received by those who believe in Jesus. This is just part of our study in Titus, 
and we hope you enjoyed it. Did you miss a portion of the message, or was there a part you wanted to hear again? Just go online to thepackinghouse.org for a replay. We archive our programs there for you so you can listen anytime you'd like. That's thepackinghouse.org, or listen to us on Apple Podcasts. One more option is to call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Grow in Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners, and we're thankful for each and every gift that comes our way. If you've been blessed by the teaching you've received through this radio program and would like to support what we're doing in this new year, please give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. And as a way of saying thank you, we'll send you Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. This book brings together what Lewis saw as the fundamental truths of Christianity. And in it, he sets out to defend the beliefs that believers through the ages hold in common. And I know you'll be encouraged by what he has to say. So again, you can ask for your copy of Mere Christianity when you give today. Give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. Then join us for the next Grow in Grace as we continue through the Bible with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship and online at packinghouse.org. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love.